Bitzer's Rhetorical Situation, Part 2. In your normal daily activities, do you ever ask anyone to do something for you? Do you ask them to get something for you or to help you with a problem? Unless you're a hermit or perhaps living in isolation during a pandemic, I would expect that you communicate with people several times a day with the goal of getting them to do something for you. It doesn't matter if the communication is trivial or profound, asking for a coffee or asking for directions or instances of rhetorical communication. As I mentioned in the last podcast, rhetoric is pragmatic. It functions, ultimately, to produce a change in the world. There is a call to action. Person A communicates with person B, or persons B, in such a way that something in the world changes. Person A experiences or encounters something which should be other than what it is, and communicates to create a change. Bitzer is using, again, very general language for a very good reason. He could say a person encounters a problem. But the word problem is limiting, usually suggesting something bad or negative. Bitzer wants you to sit back and think about the world in an open-ended way. Is there anything in the world that you think should be other than what it is? Bitzer invokes an unusual word to catch this idea. His expression for something that should be other than what it is, is exigence. An exigence, he will say, is an imperfection marked by urgency. It is an obstacle, something waiting to be done, a thing which is other than it should be. His words here stress a point that I will make later as well. An exigence is something in the present. It is not something that happened in the past. And it is not something that will happen in the distant future. It must be something facing you now that can be altered right now by the action taking place right now. I ended the last podcast by noting that not all situations are rhetorical. What makes one situation rhetorical and another not? Everything hinges upon the idea of exigence. Is the exigence a rhetorical exigence? Or is it merely an exigence? How do they differ? First of all, we might encounter things in the world that we wish were different, but that by itself does not create a rhetorical exigence. Imagine living in a house in Pompeii, somewhere in the fall of 79 AD, and you notice pumice raining down from the sky. You would have an exigence, but there is nothing that can be done to change the situation communication is pointless. The volcano is going to erupt. End of story. It is essential that the rhetorical exigence be capable of change. Second, if I encounter an exigence that I can solve all by myself, there is no need for communication. I'm hungry, so I open the fridge, grab some food. The exigence is solved. No communication is needed. It is not rhetorical. If I had an accident and broke both of my hands, the very same exigence of hunger could then become rhetorical. I might very well need to ask someone to get some food for me. I would need to create discourse with another person and persuade that person to modify my exigence by getting food for me. So we have Bitzer's definition. An exigence is rhetorical when it is capable of change or 
positive modification, meaning it can be changed, fixed, or altered. And when the positive modification, the change, requires discourse or can be assisted by discourse. Notice these two aspects are joined by the logical or grammatical conjunction and. When we say A and B are needed, we mean both must be present. The exigence must be capable of change or modification and it requires discourse or communication in order to be rhetorical. Rhetoric also requires an audience. But what kind of audience? We can have just an audience, or we can have a rhetorical audience. Anyone who hears your words or receives your discourse, or your call to action, or your request for help is an audience. But those people might only be an audience and nothing more. A rhetorical audience consists only of those persons who are capable of being influenced by discourse, willing to act, and those capable of being mediators of change, able to act, make changes in the situation. Again, we have a conjunction of factors that make an audience rhetorical. The audience must be capable of making the requested change. That point seems obvious. If you have a sore tooth and need a root canal, don't ask me to do it. Ask a dentist. Secondly, the audience must be willing to act, must want to act to solve your exigence. This point too might seem obvious. If the audience does not want to help you, we might say your words fall upon deaf ears. Bitzer sums it up this way. In short, rhetoric is a mode of altering reality, not by the direct application of energy to objects, but by the creation of discourse, which changes reality through the mediation of thought and action. The rhetor alters reality by bringing into existence a discourse of such a character that the audience, in thought and action, is so engaged that it, the audience, becomes the mediator of change. Although his language is abstract and philosophical, I hope you get his point. A person discovers something in the world that needs to change, an exigence. The person is not able to make the change on their own. The person turns to an audience and crafts some communication that has the effect of moving that audience to an action that changes the exigence in a positive way. To place this theory into a practical example, consider this scenario. I need a coffee, and I enter, say, Starbucks. My exigence is getting a cup of coffee to quell my caffeine craving. It's possible for me to jump over the counter and pull a shot of espresso, but that's not really possible. I'll be kicked out of the place. No, I need to engage in communication with another person or persons. In all likelihood, the people who become my audience are willing and able to solve my exigence. And shortly after, a coffee will appear before me. Just imagine if there are other clients waiting for their coffee. They will hear me say, I would like a coffee, please. But they are an audience. They are not a rhetorical audience because they are incapable of fulfilling my exigence. The rhetorical audience will be the barista or the person taking the order who passes the message to the barista. 
as Bitzer might express it, my exigence will be modified through the, the staff. All of this is well and good, I hope. But there is another level of complexity to consider. Are there any factors in the world that might affect the modification of my exigence? Are there any aspects of the world that need to be considered, which could either enable or disable the audience from acting? All of the background factors, and there are many of them, Bitzer calls constraints. I will talk about constraints in the next podcast.